The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You can live out your MasterChef dream. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. The following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs and become a patron today to show your support and get instant access to our extensive archive of downloadable ad-free tales of terror. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. The darkness has found you. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 20. I'm your host, Jason Hill. 
And I won't waste too much time this week. I think we're all pretty excited about part two of Garden of Fiends. And if you're just tuning in now and you missed last week's, I suggest going back to season five, episode 19 for part one. I do not think you will regret it. Again, this story, though a work of fiction, very artfully depicts the realities of addiction. So, if you are early on in recovery, going through a period of vulnerability, or feel that you may be better off just not being reminded of your struggles, please be aware this story is very well observed. And in relation to that, I was very happy to see in the comments last week that there are a number of listeners who have successfully managed their compulsions and have maintained years, or even decades, of sobriety. My heartfelt congratulations to you all. That is not easy. You should be proud. That said, recovery is like grieving. No two people do it alike. And if someone decides that maybe it'd be best if they weren't reminded of the experience right now, that is okay. Let's be sensitive to that in the comments, please. Shall we? Alright, forget the other stuff. Let's just do this. And now, without further ado, from author Mark Matthews, I give you Garden of Fiends, Part 2. Chapter 5. Gregory Snyder. I am not a killer. I am a suburban dad with a bachelor's degree in engineering and a love for designing cars. My specific job is to calculate ways to reduce wind resistance and other intrusions in order to create a quieter ride inside the cabin, improving the driving experience. I had killed many spiders in my time and tossed them in the garbage, often upon Tara's request and despite Heather's plea to catch and release. I had scooped dead goldfish out of dirty fish bowls and said a few kind words before watching their bodies swirl down the toilet. Years ago, before we had our dog T-Rex, I drove our dog Oreo and his giant stomach tumor to the vet for an injection. I watched as he slipped into a permanent sleep and stayed in the room, crying until his body was cold. All of these deaths I made happen as the head of my family. The same reason that I've killed one person. The body in my trunk bumped around like a loose spare tire. I helped design this car to keep the ride smooth and quiet, but it wasn't made for times like these. I got text after text from Heather, calls that went unanswered. Voicemails left as I dashed about the city. I am coming, I wrote back, all caps. My head spun. There was a body to dump, but I had to stay cool. A routine traffic stop could put me in prison. At first, the thought of burying the body in the urban garden was insane. One of those decisions that come to you only because they are the worst possible things to do at that moment. Like jumping off a cruise ship as you lean over the edge. 
or putting your hand into a garbage disposal as it sliced apart eggshells. One of those urges that are quickly dismissed. But then, I realized that it was brilliant. There was a fenced-in yard. I could do it in private. I could make the body disintegrate fast with no chance of it being discovered. And what was best? A grave was ready and waiting. The one created by Tara and Che Guevara last week, and the dirt was still loose. I could bury this man inside a grave dug by my daughter. There could be no better way to put this demon back into hell for good. My focus was burning. I was surprised at its precision. The outside turbulence wasn't intruding one bit. I needed to get it done and then see my daughter. The night was full dark when I opened up the garden's gate while my car was still running. I returned to the driver's seat and, as I backed in, I looked in my mirror and illuminated in red brake lights. I saw a homeless man pushing a grocery cart behind me. It was Lorenzo. I waited, foot on the brake, hands tight on the wheel, hoping he would pass and I'd back right up and be done with it. But instead, he stopped in his tracks. His cheeks glowed auburn red in the brake lights against the black sky. He squinted, as if looking into a bright sun, and I gave him every chance to move. But instead, he waited. And so did I. And he just stood there, with his grocery cart full of possessions. I finally surrendered and got out of the car to talk. Hello, sir. I'm just trying to back up here. Do you mind giving me some space? His head cocked to the side, as if he didn't believe I was real. Or he didn't believe that I called him sir. It was hard to tell which. His brain certainly had some mileage on it. Oh, you're trying to get into here. A buzz from my cell. Real or phantom? Hard to tell. But my daughter was in the hospital and this old man was in the way. Yes, I am. So, <clears throat> can you please move forward? I went to push his cart and he flinched. Kind sir, do I touch your car? Do I move it? This here is my supplies and it's my crutch. I don't move without it. It's my legs for my knees are rusty. It's my home for my roof is the night sky. I am here often at this hour. And now you. Why are you here? Are you friend or foe? What exactly is this place? I breathed through my nose, filled my lungs, and tried to blow out all my irritation. Listen, I am a friend of yours. This place is going to be an urban garden. We are growing fresh vegetables for the neighborhood. 
you are invited. If you live nearby, then you come back right here in a few months and we will have fresh food for you. We will. His eyes looked down at his cart, examining it, as if waiting to turn the keys and not sure it would start. What are you doing here now, at this hour of the night? Just working the farm until late? The moon is perfect at this hour, you know? They both looked at the sky. A tiny sliver of moon looked down. Oh, indeed. Perfect. And we are getting rain tomorrow. I know the weather. I know the way the wind blows. And so you do your part. Do you have time for me to tell you a story? Oh, um, no time. I'm sorry. The night's late, you know. Maybe later? But by the time I was behind the wheel, the man had moved on. I backed the car in and waited until the rattle-rattle-clank-clank-clank of the grocery cart completely faded. I opened the trunk. The body had cooled, but yes, still there, waiting for me. Harmless. So beautifully harmless. Stars shine down, sparkling reds and blues, each one a pinhole in my daughter's arms, now celebrating the burial. My head swiveled for any other signs of life, but I was alone, just as I'd planned. I would say I felt guilty for killing this man, but I was not. I was fearful of getting caught, and even if that happened, this was self-defense. This was justice. This was a societal favor, and I would go to jail to save my daughter if needed. The loose earth was dug out easily, and when I plopped the body down into the dirt, it was a noise so comforting. So final. I almost wanted to say a few words of thanks. But I was not there just to bury, however. I was there to burn and bury. So, I grabbed a can of lawnmower gas, poured it on the corpse, and happily lit the pyre. The gas lit up like a barbecue, a glorious bonfire and the stench of burning clothes and flesh filled the sky. I let it burn for just moments and wondered if his soul could feel the pain. I'd have kept the flame going had it not been a beacon for attention, so I shoveled dirt upon it sooner than I wanted to. Then, I poured on the fertilizer that would eat him apart and leave hardly anything. Nobody will dig this deep again. And if they do, just bones from the house of a long-forgotten past. But the fire inside me still burned, and I was off to the hospital to tend to my daughter.
you can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Chapter 6 Tara Snyder Stop listening if you aren't going to believe me. I was trying to stay clean. You just don't get it. I still felt punctured. The IV fluid stuck out of my wrist and it all seemed so fucking perfect. For I'd be dying from a needle soon enough. The plastic hospital bed crinkled each time I moved. I lay there, as if in my own casket. An open one, but this funeral home would be invites only. Mom and Dad would be embarrassed to explain how their daughter died, so it would be a private, exclusive affair. Here lies our daughter. Finally, she's dead, and will stop causing so many problems. We do believe you, my mom said. We know it was your first time relapsing after many months. We know that's why you overdosed. Your body didn't have the tolerance it couldn't handle it. Plus, the doctors say there was fentanyl inside. Fentanyl. This is how people die, Tara. I turned my head on the plastic pillowcase. Without my hippie, trippy mom, I'd have probably sliced my wrists deep enough to let everything spill out. I still may. Do you know what it's like seeing you two here? I hate being the cause of all your problems. Why don't you just let me die? I will do everything to keep you alive. Everything, my dad said. I waited to feel the burn of his eyes, staring at me, waiting for me to look back, like he always did in times like these. But not now. His eyes looked everywhere but at me, as if tracing an unseen bug flying about the room. People are running out of options to help you, my mom said. In the end, it's up to you to find out if you're more scared of dying or more scared of not using heroin again. You're just repeating shit the therapist said, mom, you know that. It's easy for people like you. It's him, my dad said with a thunderclap, and I wondered what took him so long to get angry. It's always been him. Or it's you, I shot back, ever since the day you gave me that first pill so I wouldn't miss states. 
We hadn't pulled that one out in a while, but this bomb was a perfect shot. I knew it hurt. It was the perfect kryptonite for my super dad. After an injured knee was going to keep me out of the state championship soccer game my junior year and the doctor's cortisone shot did nothing, my dad refused to give up. He never gives up. He gave me one of my grandma's Oxycontin, and I ran without pain. One worked good. Two worked better. The energy that filled my body was glorious. I had met my soulmate. We still lost in a shootout, but it wasn't long before I was busting into my grandmother's medicine cabinet. Reminding my dad about my first pill never failed to send him guilt-tripping, and I got ready for him to scream back in self-defense. But he said nothing. He'd given up. This wasn't a hospital. It was my hospice. I glanced at the machine next to me. Blood pressure was 110 over 64. My heart rate 88. My insides hollowed out. The last three days they had been giving me suboxone. And this morning was my last dose. If I went back to N.A. meetings, it would be clear I'd relapsed again. I'd have a flock of vulture men coming over to sponsor me, promising to help me stay sober, pulling my chest into theirs a bit too tight, giving me their phone numbers, promising salvation. Stacy... I'll get Stacy to be my sponsor. But Brett... Brett will be at that N.A. meeting. Looking for me. Expecting me. My stomach gurgled, the inside squishy from hospital jello, applesauce, and grilled cheese sandwiches. The noise from my hospital roommate's TV hurt. All of it was just too high-pitched and squeaky. Commercial voices talked on and on about things like having whiter-looking teeth. It's not Brent's fault. It's me. There's something about him I don't know what it is, like we were born to either hate or love each other forever. Maybe there's nobody who knows me like he does. Who loves me like he does. Another argument starter, but instead... Silence. On the TV, a car commercial came on. If you act now, you can get 0% financing. Mom and Dad had no energy to fight. They were as tired as I was. All of them just part of the sickness wishing they could cut the cancer out, but unable to. Mom loving too loose, Dad loving too tight. You haven't heard from him, have you? My dad finally asked. I bet he's on the run and will never come back to you. To drop your body off at the hospital like that and then dash, that is not love, Tara. 
He's a coward. My mom came to my side as if to protect me from his words. Her familiar fingers brushed my hair and pushed the black strands off my forehead. The touch sent warm waves down my spine that I never wanted to stop. When I was little and got sick, my mom would come into my room to check if I was feverish by gently placing a hand on one side of my face. I loved how it felt on my cheek while I pretended to be asleep. Just laying there with my mom standing nearby, feeling her skin against mine. This wasn't the first hospital bed of mine she'd stood by. I'd overdosed before, and mom found me and took me to the emergency department. Another time, I had tried to kill myself with a flurry of razor slashes and was involuntarily committed for 72 hours. Not long after walking out of that psych hospital, I was shooting up some heroin. And there I was, going back home. Again. The social worker gave me referrals for follow-up care to all the usual places I'd already been to them all. The drive home was full of awkward silence, waiting for lights to change from red to green, resisting the urge to glance up at the mirror and see Dad's eyes looking back at me. All of us were gauging each other's energy, looking for intentions, deceit, plans for what lay ahead when we got back home. They were terrified of me going out to get high again. They had every right to be scared. T-Rex, our Boston Terrier, slept in my bed that night. I lay there, awake, listening to his breath rustle in his nose and feeling the heat radiate from his body. I laid my hand on his side and felt his heart beating underneath. A heart I was breaking bit by bit. Dad told me he'd sleep in my bed even when I was off somewhere, gone for days at a dope house or a treatment center. I was his drug, never staying for long, any comfort I provided only temporary, and only made cruel by my absence. God damn, I wanted to just walk out the front door, but instead of leaving, I lay there and soaked in the silence of the empty house. When the dark silence hit its highest note, I pretended I had died. I imagined that my parents had gone to the hospital to identify my body, then came back home in silent shock and flowing tears. I was a ghost, haunting them, wandering the hallways still looking for money, still trying to get high. My parents used to have locks on their doors to stop me from stealing. Locks that I had unscrewed when home alone, but they kept it cracked these days to hear if I was sneaking out at night. Hard to believe they could sleep at all. Unless... Maybe... They'd given up on me.
By 4am, I finally fell asleep. I didn't wake up until I heard my dad outside my door. Wake up, Tara. You need to eat. You are going to start hitting meetings. Every day. I'm driving and waiting outside in the parking lot and then driving you right home. I could feel his skin vibrating with agitation. Maybe the anger I'd been waiting for was finally there. Whatever it was, the world was different now. Coming out of an overdose alive had put a different shade onto the world, like when you go into a dark theater and come out to daylight. Noises were sharp, like tiny bits of glass scratching at my ear, and the walls whined like they had violins playing unseen behind them. The sunlight hurt where before it seemed safe. Somewhere inside me, above my stomach, but below my heart, a chunk had been sucked right out of me. Even though I had survived the overdose, life seemed not worth living. But death... Death's not worth it either. I kept waiting for someone to come tap me on my shoulder and whisper, Excuse me, you've had enough of this life. We're taking you out. And I would be removed from existence. But nope... I was still expected to move forward, and to do so clean and sober. I started going to N.A. meetings each day. I cooked eggs for dinner once, did the dishes afterward, scheduled a haircut, thought about jobs. I called Coach Dawn, my high school soccer coach, who said I could still come back to be an assistant once I got my shit together. My shit was not together. Not just yet. So, instead, I just waited as time dragged by. Me always out of sync with the clocks. Always waiting for something. A ship on the horizon that would not show. Carrying the cargo of my real life while I lived this fake one. In moments of clarity, I knew what I was waiting for. Brett. The voice of my dope cravings was silent because it knew Brett would show up soon. Then, it would show me its ivory fangs and roar, feed me, feed me, make yourself happy, you know you can't live without it. Go ahead and pretend to be clean, but you'll come back, you'll come back, you always do, you'll always come back. Sometimes I saw chances to take cash from my parents and imagined how many days in a row the hall would get me high. No need though, Brett will be here. Sometimes I peered out the window, waiting to see his jeep creeping out front. Oh, it's okay, Brett. I understood why you dumped me at the hospital. I'm not mad. I kept these thoughts to myself and sat near Stacy at each N.A. meeting I went to. I finally got her number, but never dropped the will-you-sponsor-me bomb. I did text her once a day, and Stacy wrote back things like, Stop half-assing. We all see it. 
Go to bed clean tonight. Come with me tomorrow. So, I did, and started to follow Stacy to each NA meeting, tiny crumbs of contentment feeding me enough to keep me going. My spirit took root in sand. The air I breathed seemed foreign, and I exhaled fears that had kept my defective cogs chugging along. At each NA meeting, I'd scan the crown for Brett, oftentimes tracing my wrist tattoo with my fingertip, as if rubbing a genie bottle, thinking, Poof. And he'd appear. But nothing. No Brett. The day I got the tattoo, we'd been staring into each other's eyes. Light massages, both of us naked, and my fleshy white skin was clean from a steamy shower. Your eyes hypnotize when you're high, he said, like Lucy in the sky with diamonds. The girl with kaleidoscope eyes. Soon after, I was in a smoky basement getting inked by a tattoo artist who'd learned his trade in prison. Going over each letter these days was like reading Braille, and I could hear Brett's voice through my fingertips. The girl with kaleidoscope eyes. Weeks went by, and the memories of Brett stopped oozing and started to scab. The holes inside started to heal. Scar tissue started to form. I spent time writing dark poems with cartoon pictures in my notebook. I jump-started my quadricep muscles by doing weights in my basement. Squats, crunches, lat pulls, time on the stair-stepper. My insides were getting squeezed out in poison sweat. All of it the venom of the snake. But no matter what I did, when the pain of being alive hit, the voice inside begged me to get high. You know what'll fix this? You deserve the warm embrace you long for. You already proved you could stop, so just use once. Just once. Just use. The defective part burrowed deep waiting to show its head after the tiniest frustrations hit. A computer freezing up or needing to reboot. A phone call from a telemarketer. My parents nitpicking me about meetings, waking up each day. Anything triggered me. I fought back. I spoke with T-Rex, listened to Slipknot, ate all kinds of chocolate. Races peanut butter cup wrappers lay crumpled by my bedside and surrounded me as if to ward off demons. Anything to keep the dam from breaking loose. And it was getting easier. Each day better than the last. I started to realize how much Brett really did love me. For only someone who loved me would set me free like he had. He had let me go to be my own person. Just a tattoo to remember him by. He knew not to come around. And wherever he was, he knew that I was safe and okay. 
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. My dad still insisted on driving me to N.A. meetings and waiting in the parking lot. Each day I waited for his post-overdose blow-up, but instead we just sat there in awkward silence. Gone were the rage-filled lectures, the accusatory shouts about my lies. It was all somehow stuck inside his chest. And, at times, I felt like poking a pin into his head to let them whistle right out. At each N.A. meeting, I'd hang by Stacy's side, the N.A. prophetess. Then... I drag my black leather boots across the parking lot pavement, slow and deliberate, enough to strip the bottom right off, making Dad wait. Dad would drive home as the night sky darkened, and rather than shooting north on telegraph, he went east on eight mile, and then pulled into the driveway of Mom's new project, Garden of Friends. I remembered working with my mom and dad alongside the smart dude with the scraggly facial hair, digging his grave, fucking around, having lots of laughs. The guy was high as hell the whole time. I knew it. I could see the weed in his eyes. And there we were, planting more seeds. Basil, sage, tomatoes, cucumbers, peppers... An eggplant transplanted from our own windowsill. Dad took me there at night as if to stand guard. He would aim his headlights at the place and I got used to watching the beams of light shine across the tiny bits of garden growth. 
like gazing at a chia pet's little hair plugs coming out of the earth. All of it felt a touch miraculous, but my dad didn't seem happy. He felt heavy, tiny sighs under his breath, and he wasn't sitting there with answers, but with questions. The silence between us was just as loud as the screams of earlier years. The radio was on, but not loud enough to tell which song. The car running, and it felt like someone outside was watching us from the shadows. What are you waiting for, Dad? What are you looking at here? I mean, I don't mind it. I kind of like it out here, but... Why? Your mom worked hard on this. I just want to make sure it's okay and not hurting. You think someone is trying to hurt it? Everything has something trying to get inside and hurt it. I wake up each day and my job is to stop the outside from getting in. I watched his eyes trace the liner on the windows and across the dashboard, something that he helped design. I failed you in this, he said. Failed? We all fail, nobody wins, but you think you caused this? I motioned my hands over my heart in a little circle, and I swear, my own heart beat back in response. You say that like I'm already dead and gone, or like I can't learn to protect myself. He turned to face me, too dark to read his eyes, but I felt his smile as much as I saw it. No, it's not over, he said with promise. It's just starting. I never give up because things can change fast. You were meant for more. You're just a seed that's been planted, and my job is to pluck the weeds so you can grow. Usually, that kind of talk would make me nauseous, but I could listen to him talk in the darkness of the car at night, parked by the garden. There was something different here. I was a witness to some hidden spot inside his skull. Some line between us erased. His life of neck-choking ties and schedules, men with secrets learned in college, none of that mattered. Once he turned off the headlights and the last light on earth seemed to go off, the walls between us disappeared into the black. But on that night, something caught his attention As soon as the headlight beam spread over the sprouting plants, I saw it too. Despite the scarecrow stuck on a wooden pole like a crucified straw man, someone had not been scared off and had trampled over the garden. You see that? Someone's been trespassing. The tomato plants have been messed with for sure. Maybe more. He slammed his door dashed into the dark and left me alone. I felt suffocated, so I opened the door and swung my legs to dangle outside. 
The night air felt good on my face, and my sober skin bathed in its pitch-black coolness. It brought with it familiar scents, the world like a deep ocean at night, and I wondered what type of creatures were swimming in the distance. And creatures there were. I heard one, too dark to see, but I could hear it approach. A rattle, rattle, clank, 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 rattle, rattle was moving along the sidewalk. It got louder, as if coming from me, a shark below the surface, the sound just its fin. And then I saw it, a grocery cart with rattly wheels full of clothes and garbage bags. Plastic bags that wouldn't fit on the mound were tied on and hung over the side. The rusty metal cart was coming toward me at high speed. I was just an iceberg, watching a ship on a collision course. Last second, I held out my hand and the cart came right into my palm. I closed my fingers over the cold metal and it stopped. I heard some grunts and saw the shadow of a person. I felt it gaze into me and couldn't help but gaze back. He moved closer and I could see he had the weathered skin of a man from the streets. Old leather armor over his bones, the full beard splotched on his face. He seemed camouflaged for street survival. Sorry, we'll be out of your way in a second, I said. I could hear my dad bustling around the garden, but he was nowhere in sight. Nonsense, the man responded. We don't need to move, my girl. Stay here. Stay here. In fact, I know you've been expecting me. My girl with the kaleidoscope eyes. Panic shot up my spine and I reached for the car door, but his cart was in the way. His words were too familiar for such a random encounter. Something inside them stirred up memories. Think logically. I am no harm to you. I can't hurt you. You realize you are stronger than me. Those arms... Those legs, they're strong. We always knew you were the strong one. Your dad made you. But he doesn't know you. Blood simmered and then shot through my veins. This man and his quirks had to be banished. I waited for his next move, ready to strike back if needed. He was rummaging through his cart, looked in one bag mumbled, nope, then looked in another, mm, nope, and then a third, yep, yep, that's it, and he flashed discolored teeth in a smile. I finally remembered him. Lorenzo, it's me. You met me. You met my mom. Lorenzo, we're leaving, and uh, we'll get out of your way. The Lorenzo I met weeks ago would have walked away with a grunt. But something had changed inside this man. He paid my words no mind. Fat, dirty fingers fumbled with something in his hands. Everything on him shook. 
he finally had a grip on whatever treasure he'd found. A prescription bottle. I could make out the white ridge top and the printed label wrapped around the brown plastic. He held it up to my eye and spoke with delight. Oxycontin, Tara. I got oxy. Painkillers just like your grandmother had. I got me some Medicaid and got me a good doctor. Endless supplies of hillbilly heroin. He shook the bottle and I heard the ka-ching, ka-ching sound of a newly filled prescription bottle. The noise echoed in my chest and tiny, sleeping beings inside me awoke and stood at attention, wanting to know more. Tara, Tara, this is perfect. To not do this would be foolish. It's perfect, see? You can do just one, and you'll not see me again. And you'll go home tonight happy. The man wasn't waiting for an answer. He dug into a bag and pulled out a scratched-up CD cover and put it right on the hood of the car. I was unable to look away. Unable to breathe. I could only bear witness when he spilled out the Oxycontin and started to chop. Oh, he knew what he was doing and had one hand cupped over the pills. Have to cup it so pieces don't fly off. The more chopped, the better. Chunks tend to fall out of your nostril, but tiny, itty-bitty pieces shoot right to the base of your brain and tingle. No sign of my dad, no safe spot to hide. I watched as he put the dollar bill up to his nose, a finger over one nostril, and he inhaled with a rapid whiff. He jerked his head back just a bit, and an electric jolt shot through my own spine. Your night will be so nice, so nice. The tiny bits of Jesus to blanket your brain right into that spot of yours that hasn't been touched in so long. You're next. In one hand, he presented me with a rolled-up dollar bill, and in his other hand, the CD cover. A fat line of happiness spread before me, and it was all mine. It looked so lonely there, like it needed me, and I needed it. We were meant to love and hate each other for the rest of our lives. I grabbed the dollar bill and put a finger over a nostril. Don't do it! A distant voice screamed in my head, but I needed to get high. Nothing could stop me. It was too late. The dam had broken, and the opiate orgasm got ready to flood my body and take me to heaven. I leaned in to snort, and my eyes caught sight of his grocery cart and a stash of half-eaten tomatoes. They were not fully ripe, and 
tiny tomato guts had spilled all over the cart. It was Lorenzo who had poached the place. Lorenzo had plucked the first bit of fruit and eaten from the garden. Chapter 7 Gregory Snyder The garden had been poached. I could sense it as soon as I left Tara back at the car. Footprints weaved through the new growth and led to a tomato plant plucked clean. I knelt in front of the ravaged plant and felt the prickly limbs where the tomatoes had been torn off. It felt like my own limb had been amputated. Like I had been violated, similar to the time someone had vandalized Tara's first two-wheeler bike sitting in our driveway overnight. Whoever did this was probably close. If the scarecrow could speak, it would tell me. Instead, it just watched over me in amusement, knowing all but revealing nothing. If it could talk, I would need to put it down anyway since it had seen me burn and bury that ghoul of a man who had dumped my daughter's body off at the hospital and left her for dead. I searched my feelings often about killing Brett, like prying around an old disorganized shed, but I found no guilt, no remorse. But I did find fear, fear of being discovered of being investigated, of the ghoul not really being dead. The grave was untouched, as I had expected, and I felt happy with my choice for a burial ground. There was no reason to dig in that spot again, and the body would not be found. But I often had the urge to come back and watch over the grave and sit with my thoughts and my daughter. The memory of Brett's nearly severed head and the smell of his burning flesh was an easy one to access. The heat of it still warmed my cheeks. Each breath I took standing out there at night was filled with tiny bits of the rich garden soil. I could taste it on my lips and feel it on my skin. And if I was silent enough, I swore I could hear the growth of plants sprouting from the ground. Underneath it all, Brett had surely decomposed quite a bit. Still, I felt a need to dig him up and make sure he was dead and hadn't crawled out somehow after I left. If I could have stabbed him in his heart just one more time... I surely would have. I needed to know. He could not plot his revenge, that my daughter was safe, and that my deed would go undiscovered. These deep fears, this chronic worry, was something I would just have to live with. It was my burden to bear, but a small price to pay removing the threat to my daughter. If only I had done it sooner. Tomorrow, 
Heather would assess the damage to her plant. I imagined her kneeling in front of the green stem as if tending to a wounded child, speaking to it in some vegan tongue, promising healing and assuring the remaining green tomatoes that they'd ripen to a plump and red old age. Time to move on. I turned to go. Back at the car, Tara had opened the door. The inside dome light was a shining oasis in this dark night, and it beamed down on her. But not just her. Someone else was with her. I walked faster, then broke into a sprint, each stride faster than the next, fueled by the disbelief of what I was seeing. Tara's head was bowed, something raised to her nose, and at the end was some powder laid out before her. She was ready to snort. No! I screamed, either at her or at the gods. I wasn't sure, though I was loud enough for both to hear. She raised her head just in time. No! I yelled again, and she tossed the powder to the side. I dashed to the passenger door. Lorenzo stood beside her, and his shopping cart full of rubbish was pressed against the car. What the hell, Tara? What the hell? You're doing this? Right here? Right now? With him? Her defenses shot up. Porcupine-type armor meant to hurt any attacker, something I've felt so many times before. No, I didn't. You're wrong. I didn't. I know you won't believe me, but fuck it. Just fuck it. I didn't do a damn thing. It is not my fault. Lorenzo stood next to me, bearing witness. It was me, sir. I did it. I gave it to her, just trying to get her fix the same way you want your fix. The same way we're all just working for our fix. He was missing his front teeth, and his lip hung into his mouth and flapped as he talked. Was he covering for my daughter? She doesn't do that anymore. And you need... I took a breath before breathing fire with my next words. You need to get the hell out of here. Now. I waited for him to scatter, but he stood tall. Hmm, 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 maybe so. Maybe I'll go. Maybe I'm just trying to give Tara her last pill in the same way you gave her the first pill she ever took. All of it made her sick in a way you can never know. But I know. You made her. But I know her. If there had been a spade in my hands, I'd have driven it into his neck. How would he know such things? If you ever come around her again, I will have you arrested. Trespassing for one, you will regret it. Stay away from this place. I waited for him to leave, but instead he shuffled his feet in place, 
looking at each shoe before finding his balance to joust some more. Or else what? You'll kill me. Kill me and bury me. She's all yours. I'm not looking to trip her up. I'll keep doing time for both of us. Tara will be expecting me some other day, but while I'm gone, why don't you tell her why you keep coming back here at night? Why don't you shut the hell up and get out of here? I'd lost the option for polite words. The ragtag man seemed a puppet, with the stars above pulling the strings. Or, perhaps, a hand puppet. The devil himself, with a hand up his back. I'll live here. This is just your garden. I've been living on this land before you gave a shit what we ate. And I own this as much as you. I ain't scared of no scarecrows, and I'll be eaten again from your fruit's first crack of sunlight. Can the air be owned? Can the land be owned? Can your daughter be owned? I know her like you don't, and I will eat what you have planted. I will reap what you've sown. Despite all my design skills, my years of trigonometry, my problem-solving huddle groups, this man had skills of which I had none. He spoke to things inside me that I thought were hidden. Enjoy your farming, my good man, he said. But just remember this. Red peppers are his veins. The tomatoes, his plump heart. And the sage, his uncut hair. He finally pushed off. The rattle, rattle, clank, clank, clank of his shopping cart got sucked back into the night. I got back in the car, and we were safely on our way, but burning questions remained. Tara looked out her side window. I didn't use Dad. What, you think I brought it with me? You think I asked him for it? You're the one that took me there. I didn't. Sure. Sure, I was going to, but I didn't. I saw you with drugs in front of you and you weren't stopping. If I hadn't walked up, then I'd be high as fuck right now and a lot happier. You're right about that. But you don't understand. I am trying to stay clean. Really trying. But a part of me also wants to get high. It always will. Everybody sounds like Brett to me now. I... Well, I hope you've learned something. Oh, Jesus. I pursed my lips to stop much angrier words that wanted to fire out of my mouth. Did you? Learn something. I can't see Brett, for one. Even when he gets out of jail, I can't. And I can't be around people like that. I can't see drugs without getting high. I can't have people stick them in my face and not want to use them. You'll never get that. And you don't have to. But it's not possible for me. 
it triggers something stronger than you'll ever know. That might sound like a bullshit excuse, but it's true. Try not to breathe for a second and you'll understand. Tragic as her words sounded, pride welled in my chest from her honesty. The idea that I would never understand was fine. What mattered was her clarity of vision. The night's calamity had been diverted with lessons learned. I... I won't tell your mother about this, but I'd, I'd like you to. You don't need to say everything. I want her to see the plants that judge for herself how much damage was done. I just hope the damage will heal right up. I needed to believe this, that the damage would heal right up. That I, just like Tara, wouldn't always hear Brett everywhere. His heart beat. The words he used, all of it threatened a thump in my eardrums all the days of my life. I had the urge to turn it off, to fill my ears with the sound of train whistles, with the infinite world of number 88. You've been listening to part two of Garden of Fiends by Mark Matthews. For part one, check out last week's episode, Horror Hill Season 5, Episode 19. For part three, well, next week you uh, know where to find me, and it is not to be missed. Mark Matthews is a graduate of the University of Michigan and a licensed professional counselor who has worked in behavioral health for over 20 years. He is the author of On the Lips of Children, All Smoke Rises, and Milk Blood, as well as the editor of Lullabies for Suffering and Garden of Fiends. In June 2021, he was nominated for a Shirley Jackson Award. His newest work, The Hobgoblin of Little Minds, was published in January 2021. Reach him at Wicked Run Press, all one word, Wicked Run Press, at gmail.com. If you enjoyed what you've heard on today's program, please take a moment to stop by our iTunes page or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts and leave us a five star review and a kind word. It makes a huge difference and would mean a lot to me. If you'd like to hear more lengthy tales, be sure to take a look at my audiobooks, available now on audible.com. If you'd like to hear a premium, ad-free edition of tonight's and all our other episodes, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself at chillingtalesfordarknights.com, where you can become a patron for as little as $5 per month and get access to our entire audio archive, dating back to 2012, including past episodes of this program, all of our other shows, and hundreds of standalone releases, all of them ad-free and available to download or stream. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, 
you can follow and subscribe to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all of our latest updates and new releases and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. You'll find me personally on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Until next week, listener, when we meet up once again atop the Horror Hill for yet another Dance with Darkness. I bet you good night. Sleep tight, listener. And whatever you do, if you hear scratching at your door, don't open it. The darkness may have found you, but it's up to you to let it in. You've been listening to Horror Hill, a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, as well as a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's program was hosted and its featured stories performed by yours truly, Jason Hill unless otherwise noted. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors, sound design, original music, and final mixing and mastering provided by Felipe Ojeda under the guidance of executive producer and director Craig Groshek. The program's logo was created by Craig Groshek, and this week's artwork provided by Omega Black, unless otherwise noted. Got a scary tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to me today at horrorhill at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of the show. If you enjoyed what you've heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave us a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and Horror Hill on Facebook to connect anytime and get the latest updates. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every week. And don't forget to hit that thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word or a request. If you can never get enough spooky stories and can't wait until next week for more, and haven't already, be sure to check out Chilling Tales for Dark Nights on YouTube for hundreds of free audio horror stories, including more performances from yours truly, and consider supporting us by becoming a patron at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next week with more frightening fiction to haunt your dreams. Until next time, I'm Jason Hill, and you've been listening to the Horror Hill Podcast. Good evening, and sweet dreams. The 
Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.